0: Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. This is your host, Bear, and today's guest is Mark Brown. Now, Mark is a coach, a facilitator, and a trainer. He specializes in helping uh, leaders and organizations lead through strengths. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to get the best out of your employees and your teams using strengths. So let's welcome Mark. Welcome to another episode of The Root of All Business. Uh, Today we have Mark Brown with us. Mark, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Jesper. Nice to be here.
0: Uh, Mark is an uh, experienced facilitator, a coach, a trainer, and he helps businesses and individuals hone their strengths. And today we are going to talk about how businesses can get the best out of their employees and also how you can lead by strengths. So just before we do that, Mark, I just want to get, a, get to know a little bit of your background and how did you kind of get into this and why did you pick the, the niche that you did uh, working with strengths?
1: Well, I've worked in um, training. I've wor- I worked in training for quite a few years and I realised about probably six years ago that training, the type of training I was doing was very generic. By generic, I mean that it was the training was treating everyone in exactly the same way. So I might have a group of, say, 10 people. And the training was treating everyone in the same way and asking them to do the same things. And asking them to do the same things in the same way. And what I became very aware of was the fact that not everyone's able to do that. So not everyone is able to perform in exactly the same manner and even behave in the same manner, same manner, same manner. <laughs> so I I did some research and I found out about Gallup Strengths and I took a look at it and I thought well, that looks really good. I did the assessment myself and was quite amazed at what came back. And then I found out that they had a course to certify people to deliver strengths coaching. And I got myself booked on that. And that's where I, I started kind of fell in love with it, really, I guess, Beer as a way that we can, all, we can all work and we can use what's natural to us in our work.
0: Sure. So this is a good place to start for us. Do you really think right now in most organisations, most places, and even generally individuals as well, they're not, majority are unaware of their strengths? As much as people think they are, they're unaware of their strengths.
1: I think there's a large number of people in work that are unaware of where their talent is, yeah. So we all have our innate talents the things that kind of we, we naturally lean towards or we naturally do be that a way of behaving or be that a way of thinking. And I think most of us are pretty unaware of that. I was unaware of it until I did the strengths assessment, found out what my top five were. And I think most people out there aren't aware of that. They're not aware of what their innate talents are. And for that reason, it's really difficult for them to ever get to their best.
0: Got it. And, and so, so when you go to organisations um, and, and businesses, what kind of challenges do you kind of see in trying to show them that knowing the strengths of their staff, knowing their own strengths will kind of push their organisation and move it to the next level or uh, will make their life a lot easier?
1: I think one of, one of the major challenges, and I think this is in learning, training and learning generally, is that if you identify your talents, you don't automatically then create strengths. And what's behind that is time investment. You actually need to put time into creating strengths from your talents. And I think there is a, a, I wouldn't say deliberate move, but there is a move in most businesses I work with and speak with, that that time investment is something that a lot of people initially aren't prepared to put into it and I think that that in training generally in this type of training I've been involved in over the years I think that that is a a general feeling amongst people that attend training is I'll go on the training but after that I probably won't do anything with it now whether that's intentional or whether that's situational I don't know but that that is the intention And, and that's why I think that that coaching or, or continual coaching and training will have the best impact with strengths. So just someone sending someone on a course to learn about their strengths for one day probably isn't going to make a lot of change. So there needs to be something after the event that kind of embeds learning and gets people using their, their talents every day and then honing their strengths. So I think time is one of them. There, there is another facet, I think, as well, Jasper, which is that people are reluctant to change. So where traditionally, say, in a sales environment, people have, and organisations have wanted their people to sell in a certain way, businesses are quite reluctant to change that unless they can see that there is a payoff for really for the business at the end of it. And unfortunately, Gallup have done a lot of research into – what happens in organisations where people use their strengths, and they've got some really, really good data that can quantify what the improvements are. So businesses usually are quite interested once they see there's something in it for them.
0: It's it's very important because you just mentioned as well. It's very important to distinguish between talents and strengths because in my mind, even though I think they're different words, but it kind of means the same to me. Just just so someone listening to this or, uh, you know, watching this. What's the kind of difference between the two? What's an example of the, of the two?
1: Okay, so if, if we take a talent, a talent is a natural way of thinking, and it's a natural way of being and behaving. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the way you use those talents is in a positive way. Sometimes they can, you can actually use a talent in a negative way. There's also the factor that Some of the things that traditionally we've worked on, I say we, collectively we've worked on in training, is we've tried to focus on what people are not that good at. we worked with the philosophy that if we can solve or we can fix people's weaknesses, then they can become great. But actually, I never can. The areas you're not that good in that aren't that natural to you, you'll never be fantastic at. Genuinely, you won't. You can get okay at them but you'll probably be never fantastic in that area. So if I just switch back to talent, so you've got, you've got the talents that are your natural way of being and you've got the talents that are your lesser natural way of being. And they are, they are just the way a way, as I said, of thinking, feeling and behaving. So to turn that talent to a strength is where the time investment comes. So really the strength is using the talent in a positive way that will have great outcomes.
0: Right. Okay. So um, an example would be, for example, if, if I am naturally gifted at speaking, yeah. it's just spending the time, the commitment is my strength, or, uh, or sorry, hard work could be a strength where I can practice so many times where I get really good at and hone my, my talent. Would that be a correct example?
1: So if, if you took your speaking as an example, yeah. someone who's really good at speaking would probably have a, a talent of communication. Right. That would probably be communication um, because that's a, a natural way you are. You know, you're naturally a communicator. It doesn't mean to say you're a good communicator and it doesn't mean to say you can't improve your communication. So what Strengths does is it looks at what we're naturally good at, like communication, and says, right, in this particular environment, I want to achieve this. What do I need to work on to turn that talent into something that's going to be great?
0: right got it okay there's a lot of information out there or training out there which says for example if you want to be like you know speak like steve jobs or if you want to be since we're on the topic of you know we touched on communication or if you want to be uh tony robbins you know speak like tony robbins you should kind of behave and act the same way yeah but that normally doesn't work that's not natural to you no so in an organization how do you kind of Get the best out of managers and leaders, you know, without having to them to act like someone else. How do they find their own uh, way of of leading and you know being within their own strength, within their own kind of uh, space, if you like? It's a really
1: good question. Um, and if you look at the most successful leaders, so if you looked at Steve Jobs, and if you looked at Gandhi, maybe Winston Churchill, and you try to look at what those three great leaders had in common behaviorally, you probably wouldn't find anything. Yeah. Their innate talents are quite different. You know, the way they think and feel is quite different. So the key to it is to find out what the leader or what the speaker, what their innate talents are, and then get them to work on how they can use those talents to be great in whatever role they're in. So the way that I would, the way that I would lead a team, or I have led a team, would be quite different to the way that you might do it, Jasper. So there isn't a blueprint that we can take and say, do this and you will be... Well, we can say that, but it actually doesn't work because behaviourally, I'm not able to be like you. I would find it really awkward to be like you and you, you similarly would probably find it awkward to be like me. So it's, it's actually finding out where the talent lies in people and then get them to work on those talents to be great at what they do.
0: So why aren't more, more and more organizations or, or people realizing that finding out strengths of their leaders and their employees should be, should, should be the first thing they should be doing or it should be part of the, some, sort, some sort of part of the recruitment process of finding out from the get-go, this is, this is where we need a person and this is where they're good at. Mm. Why is it that that's overshadowed? Is it the old way of thinking still or is it is this catching up what's 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 kind of your view on it
1: i think it's a mixture of the two so i think it's a mixture of the way of being traditionally what we've always done and maybe a lack of knowledge of what's out there maybe a lack of knowledge that you know in today business today we can look at someone's strengths and although it although it's not typically a recruitment tool, we can look at someone's strengths and use it as part of our um, criteria for recruitment. And we can look at a whole team of people as well. And we can look at the people presently in the business and we can look at, by mapping it out, we can look and see, well, we've got these people here that are really good at those talents. They've got those talents, but we've got a bit of a gap here. We haven't got anyone who is kind of, into the strategy maybe of the business or their own strategy or team strategy. Therefore, we might look for someone if we brought someone else in that is able to fill that role. So I think there is generally a lack of, maybe a lack of knowledge and a lack of wanting to do anything differently.
0: Is there certain industries in, in your, or, or Ubuntu organisations, but certain industries like banking or finance or where they're really, really bad or, and, and they're really resistant to something like this?
1: I don't know because I don't necessarily circulate so much in the in the financial industry. I I, I have worked and I do work with some finance houses, but not so much with with the large banks as such. But I do work quite a lot in um, automotive, and I do find there they're quite traditional generally. Right, quite a traditional group of people.
0: The the reason I asked this question is uh, you know we hear uh, and the reason I gave the banking example was. I'm I'm guessing that, and that's what we see mostly because I I have worked in a lot of you know IT and, and finance finance background. I have they're more kind of traditionalists first of all, and secondly, it's more income focused, money focused rather than you know um, talent focused or strengths focused or people focused. Yeah, and I'm I'm, and I'm thinking where the application of strengths can help that industry where we see that, especially when it comes to banking and finance, where we, they have people at the top they have the talent or may have the strengths and talent, but in the wrong place. So when they make certain judgment calls, that could be disastrous for everyone else. Yeah. So, so that's where I'm kind of getting at, to so see where this can help, uh, especially in, 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 the, in that kind of scenario.
1: Yeah. And I, I think when you're talking about people at the top, yeah, introducing something like Gallup strengths or any strengths model, really, it needs to be a, a, a top-down process. So it needs to be almost become part of the setup and culture of the business is that we use strengths as a a model, not only so I know myself, but so I know other people as well. Uh, Because without that every day really talking about strengths, it soon gets diluted. You know, it gets diluted down and then eventually forgotten. So there's quite a few businesses that have implemented something like this and it's been good for six months. Right. But then, because the people at the top weren't necessarily wholly bought into it, right. Then it gets diluted in the business and, and vanishes, really.
0: What, what can you do to kind of, I know you touched on it saying coaching is perhaps the next best thing that you can yeah. do, but if it's an organization of, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of people, and they want to implement that. What's the kind of best way to make sure that they, they, they keep doing that? Is it perhaps something you can integrate in the culture where the managers can become coaches? Is that where, the, where you see the strengths lie really?
1: Yeah, definitely, yeah. It definitely is that. And, and, and it's, not, it's not really trying to make turn managers into coaches. Yeah. Because I think that a manager is never going to be a, a coach, but they can be coach-like. Right. And they can use strengths as a coach-like way of behaving with their people. So what, one of the things that I, my, my goal is, is that if I go into a business and work with them on strengths, my goal is, is that at least within six months, they won't need me anymore because the managers in the business will be able to do what I've been doing.
0: Got it. Okay. Right, so that's the kind of ongoing solution for, for that problem. Mm. What is it about this strength-based approach philosophy that kind of makes it powerful? I think
1: the biggest thing about, for me personally, the biggest thing about strength, what makes it powerful, is that it, it focuses on the positive. Right. So it's positive psychology. So it focuses on what people are actually good at and not what they're bad at. Because people don't like what they're not good at. You know, people don't like doing that. And we may in our jobs have to, we may in our jobs have to do some things that we're not that good at. But usually the, the effect of not being good at those can be mitigated by the things that we're good at. So we can usually use some of our top talents, our top themes of talent. We can usually use those to mitigate our weaknesses. So we can use some of our top things to become a little bit better. At what you might term to be weaknesses, well, I think it's a positive psychology is the, it's the thing I love about it, and I don't think that I don't think people think positively enough about other people at work in their business in their teams.
0: How can you know? How can someone? Uh, and I'm thinking this from perspective of while I think it's important and you know it's beneficial, but how can um, a leader or uh, especially for their teams when they're implementing this? When it comes to time, how can they implement this without losing a lot of time? I mean, is it, is it difficult to implement? Is it, is it easy to implement? Or uh, I'm thinking in terms of if it's a massive team, it's a big team, how do you implement something like this and kind of keep track of it and then improve on it and all that kind of stuff? And that's, that's what I can see as a blocker as well, which will, which will make them not do it.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. Yeah, it's, good. it's a really good question. And it does take from a manager's point of view, it does take a little bit of time, but they're they're probably spending the time anyway, but they're just doing different things. So they're probably having one-to-ones with their people and conversations with their people anyway. Right. That's the ongoing piece. That's the ongoing part. So what strengths is doing is it's converting maybe some of those conversations into strengths conversations rather than weakness conversations. So rather than saying you're not very good at this, what did you do last month? Why did you only get that far? Doing what, what managers today would, would deem to be coaches, the strengths conversation would be quite different. So the strengths conversation would be around how, could you, how do you think you can use what, you, what you're good at, where your talents are, where your strengths are, to do even better next month? That would be an example. So I think that, I think that managers generally are having that, using that time having those conversations, but they're doing it in a different way. They're focusing on what people aren't good at, maybe aren't good at naturally, putting time into trying to change those people into being probably like they are, rather than being a better version of themselves.
0: I suppose there is also a risk of, you know, if somebody finds out, um, you know, we, we all know that, you know, most people that are working in, in a job are, Perhaps got a qualification in one thing. For example, they did art and science in school and now they're, they're uh, you know they're in HR or something along those lines, right? So they have one degree and they're doing another job, which has got nothing to do with each other. And perhaps finding out something like your strengths could could kind of make you HR or, or the managers realize that this person isn't a good fit or wouldn't have, wouldn't be here the long term. Is it worth spending the time and the effort to try to get them to where we want them or where they want to go get to? I mean, it's, 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 it's like sitting in the wrong type of vehicle to get to where you want to get to as fast as possible, really. I suppose that's a kind of a big risk as well.
1: Well, I mean, I mean that is possible that, that that could happen. But then there's a question is, as a business, do you want someone who's a bad fit in that job? And that person who's in that role anyway, if it is that bad fit for them, they're not going to stay anyway.
0: Sure. Sooner or later it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and what Gallup have found out is that people who get to use their strengths at work every day, stay longer. So they'll stay longer. So if you are in a business that's got a, that has a, a, a staff turnover issue, then one of the places to look at is look at strengths. Look at, take a look at the strengths makeup of, of the people and have a look at whether they use their strengths at work. Because if they don't, there's a really good chance they're not going to stay anyway.
0: Another thing that uh, while while you were saying this was came to me was I remember when I when I began my career in, in IT and I was working for a large media company and um normally a personal development plan or professional development plan if yeah. you like, it was PDP. This is this is how it normally went. And I stayed there for four years and it was pretty much uh, we want you to do the following technical industry courses. And um, once you achieve this, then we can look at your, uh, you know, your, your salary and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there's certain things that were completely missing from it. It's just not about technical skills. It's about, you know, I ident- identified, listen, I I, I want to be a much better presenter. Moving forward, I want to be in this role. This this is where I see myself in five years time. And for that, I'll need better communication skills. I'll need better presentation skills. And usually the answer was, you know, we don't have the budget for it. Yeah. And sooner or later, I already thought to myself that if I get where I want to get to in, in five years time or earlier or later, I will not have the full set of skills that I think I need because that's what I see them using, right? So uh, perhaps if if you have this strength uh, trans- based approach, the PDP plans will completely change as well because right now they're pretty much focused on this is the set of skills that you have right now. This is what you need to update and you're told almost what you want to do. You don't have a say in it yeah. um, and, and you're kind of firing in the blank. And, and like you said, most people will go, this is what's costing. In my view, this is what costing organizations a lot of money. You have someone who's been in a job for a few years, um, who has ambitions, who has, they never get asked that question of what you want to be, uh, other than perhaps in the, in the interview when they were getting the job. Of where you want to be in five years' time, they never get asked the question of you know one year in one year, how far have you come? How far have how long where you want to get to? And and let's have a look at your strengths. Let's make a personal development plan as well as professional development plan. You know, whereas you need you need the soft skills and the and the key skills that you want to for you to be where you want to get to, and that's completely missing. Do you think that that's really is that do you have do you share the same view as well?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean the people that I I speak with regularly. They have a very um, kind of generic way of doing personal development. And, and a lot of the, the businesses I, I work in are largely a franchised industry. And a lot of the franchise businesses rely on the franchisee to provide training for their people. And that's all they get. And they might get a review once a year of where they are, where they're going. And um, that's it. So it's very... What, what I would think looking at some organizations that do things a bit differently, I, I, I would see that as quite archaic in, in, in 2020. It's a very archaic way of being, uh, I, think I think you're spot on there.
0: And I want to kind of sh- shift this slightly and, and talk about, you know, we talked about a lot about what happens within a business and, you know, where it, can, where it has, you know, application and the benefits of it. Do you really recommend someone who is, you know, goes, you know what, I'm done with this. I want to start my own business or I want to have a side hustle or entrepreneurs, really. Do you think that's one of the first things they should do as well? They should really uh, go through strength training and find out. Because, you know, when you start your business or your side hustle, you know, money is always uh, for most people is an issue. I could save 99% safely, you know, and they try to do everything themselves. There's certain things you're not good at. There's certain things you are. Do you think really it's, it's a good idea to go through some strengths training uh, or, or finding out your strengths before you, uh, before you embark on that journey?
1: I think that it could be, yeah. But I also think that Gallup have introduced kind of a new model for entrepreneurs. Right. And I think that using that would be fantastic. It's called Builder. I think the name for it is Gallup Builder. I'm not actually licensed to do that, but I've got a colleague who is. And what that does is it looks at the likelihood of people being a great entrepreneur. So it looks at, I think there are about 10 factors involved in the, in the assessment, um, right. which I think anyone can do the assessment. Any, anyone can go ahead and do that. But I'm not licensed to coach that. So there's a, there's a fair few people now in the UK that are, but I'm not presently coach i 'm not licensed to to deliver that, but I think that would be a great thing and what what the report back shows you is it shows you all of those ten um, factors that create a great entrepreneur and it looks it ranks them in order they'll give you an order of what your top one is down to your lowest one and then the coach will work with you on the um, you know on, on how to put those how to use those factors in Becoming great at what you do. But, but I think what that also looks at, Jazbeer, is it also looks at the fact that I think they said that four in 1,000 people would be a great entrepreneur. So it's quite a small
0: number. Four in
1: 1,000, wow. 1, yeah. So it's a quite a small number. But what, what Gallup are really looking for is they're looking for those four people that can drive tomorrow's business. That's what's behind it, because they have a great concern about what business is going to look like in 20 years time. And are there going to be enough companies around that will employ people? So we've all got jobs.
0: How does, uh, you know, Gallup Gallup is a very reputable organization and, and, uh, you know, they have a lot of good products and and, and they do a lot of research. So... How many people do their research before they come to that conclusion? Of you know, first four thousand to one. Every out of every four thousand, there's one person who will be successful.
1: They've done thousands of interviews and assessments with people, so they're not basing it on a low sample size. Right. You know, even when you look at strengths, you know that that strengths model has been built over decades. Initially, the the original concept of strengths was that. It was used, or they used a, a psychometric. So they used a psychometric, like, like we were saying before, to help people recruit the right people. Right. And what happened is after quite a few years of some people being put forward for interviews as a result and other people not, then someone had the idea in the business, well, why don't we speak to the people that don't get selected and talk about maybe why they didn't and where they're, what they would be good at, where their strengths lie, or maybe how what they can do to improve their experience so that next time they could be taken on board or improve their skills. But they're probably not going to change their personality, but maybe how they could kind of improve in the lines of, you know, how, I, how maybe I might come across better. Because I think that when you do a psychometric, it's only part of the recruitment process. It's never going to be the full process so, you know, how I might come across better and how I might use my strengths better when I'm in front of people. So the same would apply to, to the builder model that, that they created in as much as it's, let's not just throw it out there, but let's make sure that it's fully researched. They've got great analytics as well that will tell you about when they did the research, what they found from the research and why it They've, they've said it is about 400,000 people. They'll have data that would actually show that as well. So they don't just put stuff out there.
0: Sure, of course. <laughs> Look, hum- humans are always evolving and changing. And, you know, there's always exceptions to the rules and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm, I agree, you know, more, you know pr- pretty much their research will be very solid. And that's why they're very confident in putting that out. But do you not think if, you know, someone at the beginning of their journey, you know, goes through this report and gets some coaching and, you know, mm-hmm. finds out, you know what, well, perhaps I'm not going to be the, I'm going to be one of those 4,000, you know, who's not going to be successful. But once you have that idea in your head, you're always, you're not, you're now stuck in that zone of you not taking anything or sorry, not taking any action or not doing anything about it. I mean, we all know, for example, if Colonel Saunders was doing this assessment, I'm pretty sure he'll be those 4,000 you know, 3,999, he'd be one of those. And we know his, one of his strengths was persistent. You know, he kept on knocking on the doors and eventually it happened. Do you not think generally, I'm not talking about just this yeah, yeah. Uh, assessments of psychometrics. Do you not think that they are a little bit flawed in the sense that once we are told something, that kind of stays with us. It's very difficult to go back. If you don't know anything, and, and I'm going to give you this example. Have you heard of Roger Bannister, the guy that broke the four no. four minute mile record? Okay. So he's the person that never got any training, never were told anything about nutrition or sleep or anything, and he smashed that record. And since after him, many more people did it. That's the kind of angle I'm coming from. Do you not think sometimes these psychometrics, they are flawed? Yeah, they must have done hundreds of thousands of you know, research, but still it's not 100% there. Would you agree with that?
1: The coach would never tell someone that. Coach would never say, well, sorry, you're not in the four.
0: No, of course not. But, but what, I'm, what I'm saying is once they get that from their assessment, and people like to label themselves. I used to label myself as I'm an introvert, I can't do this. And now I'm like, no, I have seen situations where I've been, you know, I've been around the room, I've introduced myself to many people. Yeah. And, and, you know, clearly that that's, that's not an introvert. But there have been times I've been shy. Mm. Perhaps I, you know, I didn't have enough sleep. I didn't have, you know, it could be many factors. Yeah. But what I'm saying is when people label themselves, a coach would never say that, I agree. Yeah. But when you, never, when you label yourself with something, you kind of stay in that zone. You're trying to box yourself within that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can see that if, if it was just you reading or you seeing what your strengths were or what yeah. your builder profile was, then you might think, well, that's really low. I can't do it. Yeah. But actually when you work with a coach, and when you, even when you read the auto-report in strengths that's created for you, it actually tells you what to do. So it actually says how you can use your strengths, and that's what the coach does. It gets people to work with what they have got. So in, in that situation where you said you're quite, quite introverted and you go into a large room of people, and some people find that quite daunting, the coach would work with someone and say, okay, so how could you use what you're naturally good at in that situation? So, for instance, it might be, well, don't talk to everyone. Don't expect to talk to everyone. But just speak to three people. And maybe do that on a, on a one-to-one or small, small group basis. And to, be, to do that, which of your strengths do you think you could use when you do that? So it's not saying you can never do that. What it's saying is, is how can you use your strengths in that situation? Is that something... That's something you need to do. How do I do that? Because one of the strengths is called woo, which is winning others over. And the people who've got woo, they're great in groups, in large groups of people. They love to go around and circulate and talk to as many people as possible. But we're not all like that. So, what I have to look at, because I haven't got woo, I have to look at, well, when I am in, even in a networking situation, I have to look at, well, which of my strengths could I use? initially and throughout, where I could interact with people and I'd feel more comfortable with it.
0: It's called VOO, W-O-O?
1: Woo, Winning Others Over.
0: Winning Others Over, got it, okay. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's interesting. Mm. We are now coming towards the end of the show and I um, and, 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 and just wanted to ask you, what, what's your biggest strength?
1: My biggest strength is empathy. That's my number one strength. It's relatively unusual to have that as number one. Most people, most people in the world have got, um, their number one is achiever, which is about getting results. That's the one that comes up most often at number one.
0: Right. Okay. I have got
1: that. I'm quite low with achiever, but my number one is empathy. So I, I use that because I think people like to be understood. You know, people, I think one of the human needs is to want to be understood. And I, I use my empathy to, to demonstrate that I kind of get other people. And I, I, I see that it's not all, my opinion is not always the only opinion. And that the way I do things isn't necessarily the way that other people would do things because I get other people. So my number one is empathy, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a very interesting conversation. We could go on and on and on.
1: <laughs> Thanks for inviting me, Jasper. I've enjoyed it. It's been great.
0: Thank you. Have a nice day. Thank you. I hope you got some great value and insights from this episode. If, and if you're someone who wants to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur, then I have some great free resources for you. If you visit www.jazzbearaurora.com, that's www.jazzbearaurora.com and drop me a line, I will send you an ebook and also a one-hour masterclass. And also um, go and take the Escape the 95 survey, uh, which will help you understand where you are right now um, and where the gaps are in your knowledge to transition from being an employee to an entrepreneur. And if you're a business and you need help growing or if you have any uh, issues that you'd like to discuss, then yeah, once again, visit the website and I'll be more than happy to help you. Thank you for listening.